Now, last week we looked at that this idea that, that Jesus brings in Matthew chapter 6 of seeking first his kingdom, to seek, to seek first the kingdom of God. And last week we introduced what I called a seek first habit. Does anyone remember that? That Phil dropped a seek first habit. Now, does anyone remember what it was? This is really just testing. I've got a youth pastor here just struggling, reaching back. What was it last week? Does anyone remember? Sunday worship, this idea that, that culturally Sunday is the last day of the week, but spiritually it's the first day of the week. Resurrection Sunday, Jesus rising from the dead, bringing grace, hope, and peace to all people. And this idea that Sunday is actually the first day of a week, and what we're doing when we gather together for Sunday worship is actually aligning ourselves with who God is, with who Jesus is, with who He invites us to be is the very first thing in our week. So I love Sunday mornings for that exact reason, because it's an opportunity for us as a church to gather together and say, you know what? God matters. Jesus has profound importance in my life, and I want to live out of that this week. Does that describe anyone here this morning? Come on. This, this is what this space is about. It's saying, I want to live first out of who Jesus is. You know, when we consider what, what it means to, to reflect on our own lives and think, what actually comes first in my life? One of the really natural things that I think all of us do is we look to other people. We look to other people that maybe we love and respect. We look maybe to, to famous people that we appreciate in one way or another. We look to, I guess, more broadly what, what culture would say. And we look at all these voices and we say, okay, this is how I should live my life. This is what should come first in my life. And quite naturally, we'll all look to other people to help answer the question, what is of the most importance to me? What's of the most importance to my life? Now, I remember when I was a teenager, about 15, 16 years old, there were, there were three guys in my life that I kind of looked to that I respected. It was my older brother, who was six years older than me. It was my older brother-in-law, who was about four years older than me. And it was my youth pastor at the time, who, who again was about four or five years older than me. And I looked at those guys as a real point of reference as I thought about what should matter to me. What, what, should, what should my life look like? What kind of priorities should I have? What should, how should I think about my future? And I had these three guys in my life that I kind of looked to and said, this is, this is kind of what I want my life to look like. Now, I was really fortunate because each one of those guys believed in Jesus and each one of those guys lived out of who Jesus was. And it set me on a path as I saw in them something that I wanted in my own life. So I think one of the questions that becomes really, really important for each one of us as we reflect on this idea of what comes first in our lives is to ask the question, who am I looking to or what am I looking to that will define what comes first in my life? Now, as I reflect on that, I think the best thing that we can do as followers of Jesus is just look to the life of Jesus. Would anyone agree with that? That if we want to get a sense of, of what priorities should come first, what our days should look like, what our weeks should look like, what our lives should look like, the best thing that we can possibly do is look closely at the life of Jesus. So as we continue in our series this morning, we're, we're going to look in the life of Jesus uh, Jesus together. But, but here's what I want to do really quick. I, I really believe that God's got something for us this morning. And I want to do everything we can together to really, really engage with that. So real quick, I'm going to ask if everyone can stand up. Stand up together. You might want to shake it off a little bit. If you've got loose shoulders, give it a little back turn, a forward turn if you like that. If you've got some, uh, don't, don't hit anyone nearby, but if you need to stretch it out a little bit. And, and here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for us that from the Word of God, we would actually hear God's voice, that we would experience the presence of God in this place this morning. Now, 
I, my hope is that, like me, you don't just want to be at church this morning, but you actually want to experience God's presence. And if that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I thank you that when we gather together, you are here with us as well. And God, I pray for every single person in this place that you would speak to us from your word this morning, Lord. God, I pray that, that for each of us starting today, there would be a new rhythm of hearing your voice, seeing you in our lives more and more and in deeper ways, Lord God. Jesus, I pray that you would open our ears, soften our hearts to your voice and your leading here this morning. We praise you, God. Amen. Awesome. You can take a seat. You feeling a little bit more energized now? Yeah, I, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. Here's what I want to do. I want to take you to the life of Jesus. Now, as we, we go through the New Testament, we've got four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. Who remembers what they are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Awesome. You guys are switched on. I love this. Now, across those four accounts of the life of Jesus, we, th we see three things that keep showing up, particularly in the public ministry of Jesus as he's traveling around and doing things. The first thing that you see time and time again described in the New Testament is that Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God. He teaches people about God's love. He goes to, to the synagogues, to the places of worship. Everywhere he goes, he's teaching people about what it means to know and be known by God. That's the first thing we see time and time again in the Gospels. Anyone read, read uh, a Gospel before? Yeah? Who would agree that's something you see in the Gospels? That Jesus teaches. Now, the next thing we see Jesus do time and time again throughout the Gospels is that he heals people. He heals people from sickness. He works in miracles. He sets people free. That Jesus does this miraculous work of healing and freeing on behalf of people. Everyone agree with that? As you read through the Gospels, whether he's being interrupted by someone in a place of need, whether he's going intentionally to spend time with someone, that Jesus constantly, he's healing and he's setting people free. That's the second thing we see. Now, the third thing you see at a regular rhythm and cadence in the life and ministry of Jesus, and narratively, it's not as exciting to read, but you'll see something else that keeps on repeating in the life of Jesus, and it's this. He withdraws to a lonely place or a solitary place, and he prays. There's this regular rhythm in the life and ministry of Jesus. He's doing these amazing things, traveling from place to place, healing the sick, teaching about the kingdom of God, and then he's out of there. He retreats to a quiet place, and he prays. You know, I want to take us to a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 1 that gives us a detailed description of one of these moments in the life of Jesus, one of these moments that formed a rhythm in his life. And I want to take you to Mark chapter 1. So we're going to go there together. And we're going to start in verse 35. And here's how it goes. Very early in the morning, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, who likes getting up in the morning while it's still dark? There are actually some people that like doing that. You guys are amazing. I'm like, if I'm waking up in the morning and it's dark, I'm doing so with great intention. It's not because I'm just hanging out and loving the morning, but I love you guys. That's amazing. So Jesus, like the four of you, got up while it was still dark, <laughs> left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Got up early, left the house, got out of bed, completely by himself, completely alone. He spends time with the Father in prayer. Then Simon Peter and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everyone's looking for you. Jesus, where have you been? Everybody is looking for you. And then Jesus replies in an interesting way. 
let's go somewhere else. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. He says, that is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, driving out demons. Now, I love this as a, as a description of what's going on in the life of Jesus. And there's a certain habit that we can see here in the life of Jesus. And for and I, I've just got to apologize for anyone that's a little bit like me, and you're a little bit slow getting up in the morning. There's inescapably something we see in the life of Jesus here, that the first thing he does in the day is seeks the presence of the Father. The first thing that he does is create a moment of prayer. Before he does anything else, before any of the pressures of the day come to light, before any of the responsibilities of the day come to light, there he is by himself seeking the presence of God. You know, this morning, I want to I introduce to us another seek first habit, and it's simply this, prayer in the morning. Prayer in the morning. You know, there's something so powerful that, that comes out of this, this sequence of verses, that there Jesus is. He creates the space. He creates the space to be with God. And when it comes to seeking His kingdom first, at a certain point, we've got to ask ourselves, am I creating space for God to be present in my life or not? Is there a place in my life where I'm giving God the space to actually show up in real ways? You know, there's probably been times in my life where I've had some frustrations that, that I don't feel and experience the presence of God in the way that I'd like. Has anyone ever had that before? We can be vulnerable together. You, you don't have to put your hand up. But this is real for my journey of faith, and it's probably real in the journey of faith of someone sitting next to you. That, that sometimes I feel this sense of frustration. Why can't I feel and know and experience the fullness of the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in my life, like the songs that we sing about? And maybe even this morning that's resonating with you. But then I think what I have to do is actually look at the rhythms in my week and say, if I'm struggling to experience the presence of God, where in my week am I creating space for God to actually show up in my life? And sometimes I think I'd love God to just be there in fullness when, when I need Him, when I want Him. But then there's no rhythm in my life, a rhythm of creating space for God to actually show up. And I found for me some of the, the biggest wrestles that I've had throughout the years when it comes to doubt and different things like that, it's always been characterized by seasons in my life where I just haven't been creating the space to seek the presence of God. And I think Jesus, even as the Son of God, understands this. So there's this regular rhythm in, of, in His life of creating space to seek the Father. And for Him, He does it right at the start of the day. He does it first. Now, I think there's something really powerful about this idea. Now, what happens to Jesus? He's there, He's praying, He's, he's seeking God. Then eventually, Simon works out where he is, and you kind of get the sense that as Jesus has been praying, everyone in the village, where Capernaum, where they were, they're, they're all like, to the disciples, where's Jesus? We need him. He'd done ministry in this village the day before, healed, healed the sick, done all kinds of incredible miracles. So everyone's looking for him, and they're saying, Jesus, we need you here. We need you to be right here. And the disciples, they carry that energy to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, where have you been? You need to be here in the village. Now, interestingly, Jesus responds in the complete opposite way. And he says, no, nah, we're, we're not staying put. We're, we're going on. We're traveling to some other places. He says, that's, that's why my father sent me. Now, here's what I love about Jesus creating this space first thing in the morning. 
And it's a phrase Dean used a few weeks ago. That by doing that as the first thing in the day, Jesus actually sets the compass for what his day is going to look like. He sets the compass for where he's headed. He's aligning himself with the will of the Father right at the start of the day. And I think by doing that, Jesus gives a huge amount of clarity to his own personal purpose. So he's able to withstand the external pressure that says, Jesus, you need to be here. Jesus, you need to live your life today like this. And he's able to say, actually, no, here's who God's called me to be. Here's the direction my life's going. That by setting the compass first, he's able to withstand the pressure that would take his life in a different direction. Now, when it comes to our own journey of faith, and for some of you might have heard the, the phrase or idea before, spiritual formation. So this idea of growing to understand more of who God is and, and growing to live a life shaped more and more by who Jesus is. There's something pow so powerful, I believe, about this idea of what we do first in the day. That we set the compass around who God is in our context. We set the compass around who Christ is and who He's called us to be. And that has an impact on how we live the rest of our day. You know, you might have heard stories before, an example from, from military life, that, that people in the, the military, one of the, uh, one of the things that, that's really common, and, and I guess you, you read about it a lot, you hear stories about it a lot, that, that military people, they, they make their bed in a very particular way. Anyone, anyone heard or read this kind of deal before? That, that they'll make their, their bed in a really specific way, and it's the very first thing that they do in the morning. They, they get up, they make their bed with excellence, and there's, you know, dimensions as to how it goes and where, what measurement the blanket should be and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of detail around it. And so everyone in the military, when they wake up, they make this, their bed in this really specific way. And there's actually a psychology behind it. That the reason they ask their soldiers to do this is because they begin their day by completing a simple task with excellence. They begin their day by completing a task with excellence and achieving something. And the thought behind it, the psychology behind it, is that's what they do first. And the very first thing they do, they do it incredibly well. And it sets them up for a day where they can face the various challenges and achieve and succeed and do well throughout the whole day. Do we have any bed makers here this morning? Have you? I, I'm not a bed maker. This, you know, I, I'm inspired by this example from the military. Personally, I'm not a bed maker. Anyone not a bed maker and you live with a bed maker who makes your bed? That's, that's the sweet spot. That's the, the sweet spot right there. There's some wives elbowing their husbands or vice versa. Uh, now, I'm not a bed maker, <laughs> but I love, the, I love the principle here that what you do first and how you do what you do first actually sets a compass for your day ahead. Imagine if every day we lived by a fixed point of reference that was Jesus Christ in our lives. Whew. You know, in, in my life, there's been times where, where I've done this really, really well. And there's been times where, where prayer in the morning has been something that's really defined my days. And it is amazing how different your day is when you align yourself with God right at the start. I really believe that, that it changes the way that you make decisions. As I believe it influenced Jesus as the disciples come saying, this is where you need to be. And he's able to say, no, this is where God needs me to be. That when we put, when we prioritize time with the Father in the morning. You know, I think it does a few things in our life. There could be a moment where we're about to gossip about something. 
And all of a sudden we remember, no, wait, that's not great. And is that the still small voice of the Holy Spirit reminding us of who He's calling us to be? There might be times where, where there's a bad attitude growing up inside me. And instead of acting on that, I'm able to take a breath and peacefully let it go. There could be other times where I write an angry email and instead of sending it, I delete it and then go and talk to the person. And it's just something about this idea of seeking God first in the morning that I just feel brings us into alignment with everything that's best about who God created us to be as people. It brings us into alignment with God's vision for our life and how we're living our days. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing something new in my life. I'm going to be intentionally seeking God first in the morning around this habit of prayer. And I want to invite you to join me in that. Now, as we think about that seek first habit, let, let's talk for a moment before we get there. And I've got a, a specific invitation a little bit later I want to invite you to. But before we get there, let's talk about, okay, how do we cultivate this habit in our lives? We want to create the space. We see evidence in Scripture that for Jesus, there was something powerful about doing this first thing in the morning. How do we create the space to set that compass, to align ourselves with God's leading in the morning? How do we actually cultivate that habit? You know, I think it comes down to, to two things. One is setting a regular rhythm. With any kind of habit, when you set the time, any, anyone like calendar blocking in your kind of work days and as you're approaching things, yeah, we've got some like hands straight up, yeah, that's me. Okay, like that idea of calendar blocking, this idea, where is that, you know, that, that idea of creating the space, where is it physically, literally showing up in your day? You know, there, there could be an idea that maybe I'd say, so tomorrow's Monday, and say, hey, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray tomorrow, I'm going to pray sometime on Monday. And, and if that's how I frame it, sometimes I'll, I might pray on Monday. But if I say, you know what, Monday, 6.30, I'm spending time in prayer. Now, it's far more likely that I'm going to show up to that discipline and that habit when there is a set time, when there's a regular rhythm. So I think part of this idea, if we want to put this into place and we're believing from God that says, hey, if I align myself with you, Spirit of God in the morning is actually going to bring something good to my life. Then we're like, okay, we need to, we need to set that habit. If we're going to cultivate that habit, it needs to be a set time. But then there's something even more powerful. And we've got to ask, what motivates the habit? So what motivates prayer in my life? What motivates prayer in your life? You know, my friend Monique, part of our team here at True North, she, she pointed me in the direction of an article this week from The Telegraph that, that pointed uh, to this interesting, uh, interesting research from March 2020. Anyone remember March? That, that, was, that was a time. <laughs> That was a time. But, but anyway, March 2020, Google, the, the search engine, recorded the highest levels in history of prayer being searched for on their search engines. Prayer, how to pray internationally, the highest ever in history, peaked March 2020. There was a 50% increase in searches around prayer and how to pray. Now, of course, we know what was going on in the world. F Full-blown international crisis. And there's something in our humanness, that in those kind of moments, it motivates prayer. Whether, you know, internationally across the world, there would have been people that, that prayer was a regular part of their life, that they had faith in God. And there would also have been people that, that, that crisis has hit, and then all of a sudden, 
the concept of a God becomes real and the idea of needing God's help becomes real. Now, when we think about what it means or, or what it is that motivates prayer in our life, I think we all need to be real for a moment that, that one of the most powerful motivators of prayer is my need. That when I have need, it motivates my prayer life around my need. Now, I want to be really clear up front. I'm a massive advocate for prayer in times of crisis. I'm a massive advocate for seeking God first when, when pain, when challenge, when brokenness enters my life. And I believe that's so powerful. But if the sum total of my prayer life is just seeking God in need, I'm missing out on so much of what the Holy Spirit has for my life. I'm taking hold of part of what is the awesome promise of God with me. But there's so much more. So one of the things we need to ask ourselves as we're setting a habit of prayer in our life is what is motivating that habit? You know, I want to take you to a really important passage of Scripture. Here, here we see Jesus in real time giving us an example of what it means to pray and to set that habit in our life. But then on another occasion, Jesus shows us how to pray. And by showing us how to pray, He reveals the motivations around prayer. So we're going to go to the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, chapter 9, sorry, verses 9 to 13. And here's what Jesus says, and I want us to reflect on this Scripture together for a moment. For some of you, you would have heard this prayer many times before. In the words of Jesus, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, do we have that on the screen? This then is how you should pray. We might not have it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So prayer starts with worship, saying, God, you are holy. God, you are worthy of praise. So saying this is one of the motivations of prayer is to simply worship God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, this is that idea of alignment. It's saying, God, you are holy. I want my life to be defined by who you are, your will for my life, and your kingdom. Then Jesus goes on further. Give us today our daily bread. And here's, here's that part of our prayer life that is about need and is about running to God and turning to God in times of need. So that is a healthy part of an active prayer life. My only caution is it just can't be the only part of an active prayer life. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. This step of repentance to say, God, I acknowledge there's brokenness, brokenness in me. I need your grace in my life. And then it continues, as we also have forgiven our debtors, that the same grace that I know in my life can be extended to others. And that's when that human goodness comes out of us, that God created us with. And then Jesus continues, lead us not into temptation, not into to sin, into broken behavior, but deliver us from the evil one. And it's this idea that that prayer finishes with this idea of formation. Jesus, help me to live my life shaped more by who you are, 
not defined by, by the brokenness, the bad, atti- bad attitudes, the sinful tendencies within my heart and mind. Jesus, deliver me from those things and help me to be more like you. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we see the motives for prayer. That when we approach time with God, set around those kind of things, to worship, to seek Him first, to bring my life into alignment with who He is, to repent and to seek grace, to ask God to to be formed into a person that shares that grace with others, to be formed into a person that, that grows in character and integrity under the example of Christ. And I believe that powerfully it starts with an active prayer life. So here's what I want to invite you to. Over the next three weeks, we're going to do something together for the next three weeks, and I'm going to be doing this as well, and I want, you, I want to just invite you to do something with me. Over the next 21 days, I want to invite you to whatever time you'd normally get up, to get up 15 minutes earlier, 15 minutes earlier. And here's what I want you to prioritize, invite you to commit to. You don't have to do this, but I want to invite you to commit to something that I'm committing to in my own life as well to get up 15 minutes earlier and give God the first 10 minutes of your day. If you want to extend that further, you you can, but to commit to 10 minutes, to give God the first 10 minutes of your day for the next three weeks, next 21 days. And here's a resource that that I want to give us, a framework that that really flows from the Lord's Prayer and the Scripture that we we just went through together. On uh, on version you'll find a, uh, a reading plan called How to Pray, 21 Days with, with Pete Gregg. And, uh, and if, you, if you want, you can search that up now or you can get that info after the service. Um, might even see if John can put it on socials for us later. Is that possible? That sounds good. Um, so so here's, here's a reading plan that I, that I want to offer as a framework. Over the next 21 days, get up 15 minutes earlier, hit this reading plan, And what it's going to give you is a framework for prayer in your life. Based on what we've already discussed a little bit here this morning, but to actually give you something to work through. It'll be about five minutes reading and then just create that space. So here's what I want to invite you to do. You might be someone like me that at time, from time to time, will do something like this, but stay in your bed while you're doing it. (laughs) I'm going to say create an intentional space. 15 minutes early, your alarm goes off. You get up out of your bed, you go somewhere. Maybe it's outside under a tree you like, maybe it's just a different room, whatever it might be. You create an intentional space exactly like Jesus does in Mark chapter 1, a place that's just for you and God. And I want to invite you to go through this plan as a framework. I give you a framework for prayer and to start your day seeking God, aligning with God. And you might be a little bit skeptical, even this morning, some of the ideas that I've shared, some of the beliefs that I have around the power of prayer. You might be here and you're like, I don't know, Phil, that sounds, you know, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Give God a chance over the next three weeks. And if you get to the end of that three weeks and you're like, Phil, this, I just got nothing out of this. Come and see me. I'd love to talk to you more. But I really do believe if you show up to this discipline in your life, the Spirit of God's going to do something in your life. That as we create space, seek with the right motives. It's not about what we need. 
It's about God. I just want to create a space where I can be present with you, where I can seek you first. And I really do believe that this kind of a discipline is what empowers us to live our lives in alignment with God, to truly live our lives the first things first, Christ first in my life. You know, I'm going to invite the, the team to, to come and join me, if Mel, everyone could come up. And we're, we're going to sing a song that I absolutely love. And I don't know if it's the title of the song or just my favorite line, but, but Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus be at the center of it all. And it's a simple idea of Jesus be first in my life. And we're going to sing this song together. And just before we do that, I, I want to invite you again to stand. And so I'm inviting you over the next three weeks, commit to this discipline of prayer in the morning. If you, also, if you jump on the Version app, look for me, search for me. I, I think I'm Phil Ingham, possibly Philip Ingham, and you'll see me there, and we can actually connect on there, and I'd love to, there's some like chat functions, stuff like that. Is that accurate, John? I've never really chatted on there, but... But, but search me on that. I'd love to do this with you. And chat to me after the service. You can go to the, uh, the Connect Lounge afterwards, get some more information. But, but, but let's do this together. But I'm also mindful that we're here Sunday morning with a church gathered. Also, I believe from Scripture that when two or three are gathered, Spirit of God's here with us as well. And I also don't want to miss the opportunity just to pray for you this morning. As the team leads us in this song, Say, Jesus, be at the center of it all. I just want to create a space here this morning. If you'd love me to pray for you, maybe some of our elders, someone else on the staff, I'd just love to pray that over the next three weeks, you would know and experience the presence of God. That by His Holy Spirit, He would open your ears and open your hearts to more of who He is. Maybe you're here this morning, and you know there's a struggle of doubt. That's okay. Church is the best place to be when you're struggling with doubt. And to actually own that and say, you know what, God? I want to give you a fresh chance in my heart. I want to create the space so you can show up. You know, I believe this is one of the things that, that you know, I'll be careful because God says never to put him to the test. But I believe when we create space for God, he shows up. So if you're here this morning, you might be on your last legs and you're like, I need the Spirit of God to do something in my life right now. Can I tell you, the Spirit of God is here for you right now. And I want you to commit over these next three weeks with me, this discipline of prayer in the morning. But I would also love to pray with you this morning that God would show up in those moments. We're going to sing this song. If you'd love someone to pray for you, if there's any elders here, if you could be ready, and staff, and me, I'll be ready, obviously. I'd, I'd love to pray. I want to pray for all of us, then we're going to sing this song. And then this space up here this morning, it's just a space where you can come, prayed for, be encouraged, be reminded the presence of God in your life. Let me pray. Jesus, our heart is for you to be the center of who we are. Jesus, as we reflect on what it means to live our lives, defined first by who you are. God, as our minds look ahead to tomorrow morning and the mornings to come, Jesus, I pray that, that you would do something powerful. 
in the time and the space that we create for you. But also, Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment this morning, as we sing this song, Jesus at the center of it all, Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak to people this morning, that faith would be renewed and restored. Jesus, we want to live more out of who you are. We want to know you in growing ways. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to people in a unique and powerful way over the weeks to come and in this moment as we stand together in your presence. We praise you, Jesus. We're going to sing that awesome song together.